As I was listening to that at the early service, because I got to listen to it twice. <laughs> but, uh, the early service, all I could think was, take that, Satan. <laughs> <laughs> now, the reason I was thinking that was because that's actually the focal point of our, of our time in the Word together this morning. Uh, we're going to be looking at um, some of the things that Satan is and some of the things that we need to understand about Satan. It, it all goes under the uh, sort of the title of know the enemy, uh, that kind of thing. We need to be very much aware of it. Uh, but as I talk about this, as, I, as we talk about uh, spiritual warfare, I, I understand a couple of things. First is that the concept of spiritual warfare is very much in the Bible. I mean, we're going to see it here in just a moment. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but we, get, we wrestle against all the powers of of evil that inhabit the, the world around us. And so spiritual warfare is a biblical concept. That's the first thing. The second thing is that some people have taken the notion of spiritual warfare and almost turned it into a kind of cult. You know, they, they, they find a, a demon behind every tree. The, the, the Satan, the devil, is, is lurking behind every corner. And so you, you carry around your super secret, powerful prayer that at a moment's notice you can trot it out and rebuke the devil and, and everything will be fine. Or, or you have to understand, you know, what, what it is that the devil is doing in this particular circumstance because my hangnail wasn't there yesterday and it's there today. And, so, you know, and, and, it, and it, it really sort of gets distorted. And the reason it's distorted is that it tends to make Satan the hero of the story. I want you to know something, folks. Satan is not the hero of the story yeah, Jesus right. Christ is. Yeah, Our focal point in life is not on Satan and what is Satan doing. What is the devil about? Our focus is on who Jesus Christ is and how he glorifies the Father and enables us to be brought into the very presence of the throne room of God. Uh, so, so Jesus is the hero of the story. He's, he's the focal point of the story, not Satan. But we, we talk about him today just so that we have a little bit better kind of, of understanding of what that, uh, what that might mean. You see, there, there's a kind of preaching, uh, and sad to say, I think it's kind of popular today, but there's a kind of preaching that is, that is pretty shallow. Uh, and it's not shallow because it talks about God. It's, it, the, this preaching talks about God because after, God, uh, after all, God is all about giving you warm fuzzies in your life. God is there to make you happy and profitable and to fulfill yourself and to have a successful life in your business and in your home and with your kids. And, and that's what God does. But we never mention sin. We never mention sin and we never mention the devil. And so after a while, we look at that and we say, well, what's the big deal with God? I had most of this handled on my own already. I mean, I, I'm glad for the assistance. I mean, if he wants to help me in my life, that's fine. But really, it's not that serious. See, it's when we understand that there is a real presence of evil in the world that we understand the magnitude of God's grace in keeping us safe. Sometimes people will ask me, do you believe in a personal devil? Well, he's no personal mind. But actually, in, in point of fact, the devil is anti-personal. He's against persons. There's nothing about the devil 
that will ever make you more of a human being. There's nothing about the devil that will ever make you more fulfilled or more complete. There's nothing about the devil that, that will enhance you as a person. So while the devil is real and identifiable and whatever dictionary definition you give, and in point of fact, I don't want to give him more credit than he, than, than he deserves. Of course, he actually deserves no credit at all. Because here's the thing, and, and uh, you know, maybe this is for a Bible study later on, but, but as I observe the scriptures and as I observe life, my observation is, and you guys think about it and, and correct me if I'm wrong, but my observation is the devil really has very little power. He has very, very little power. He has a lot of influence. See, the devil really can't frustrate the purposes of God, and the devil really can't make things happen sort of in a, in a devil-made-me-do-it kind of, kind of way. But the devil has a lot of influence that when things come along, when the heartaches of life come along and the struggles of life and the setbacks of life, in, in those moments when you're exhausted and tired, that's when the devil goes to work. And it's not so much power as, as it is influence. And he whispers in our ear and he tries to get us to think less of God than, than, than we should, to, to think really less of ourselves than we should because we are, after all, the children of God as believers in Jesus Christ. And so the, the devil has a lot of influence, but he cannot stand for a moment in the presence of Jesus Christ. See, that, that's why ultimately what we're talking about here is, you know, Jesus Christ within you, the hope of glory. And that is, that is the, um, uh, the, the power that is ours to live a godly life. And so as we look at what, the, uh, what we do at the devil, just spend a little bit of time thinking about it. I don't for a moment think that I'm preaching on the devil. I, I, don't, I don't want to give him a moment's notice. But what I want to do is tell you some things about the devil so that you will know we're really talking about the blood of Jesus Christ, the power of the cross, the glory of the resurrection, the marvelous grace of God that has brought us into a relationship with him. And all that is ours. Now, sometimes uh, you'll, you'll hear people say things like, well, if you'd only become a Christian, believe, believe in Jesus and everything will be fine. Your life will be fine. Your problems will work out. You, you won't have to worry about things. and it, It'll be a great life. And, um, and by the way, that all that's true, Ultimately, all right? I mean, the day is coming when there are no more tears, no more sorrow, no more death. Uh, that day is coming. But between now and then, there's still a battle to be waged. It's kind of like D-Day during World War II. That was a big conflict in which America and the Allies opposed Germany and Europe. It was in all the papers. But in June of 1944, the Allied troops landed on the beaches of Normandy. And they got a foothold in Europe, and they started pushing back the, the German, the Nazi forces. And historians will tell you that with the D-Day landing in June of 1944, the war was won. There was, there was no way Germany was going to win that war after D-Day in June of 1944. But the final victory was not signed and completed. The peace was not declared, and victory did not come until May of 1945, almost a year later. So while the victory had been assured, the battle was still being fought. And that's where we are. The victory is assured. There's no doubt about the victory. 
but yet we are engaged in a battle and in a war and I want you to know the enemy so that uh, you can glorify God for the victory that he gives to us all right so with that let's look at Ephesians chapter 6 we'll pick up reading in verse 10 and uh, read down through verse 13 uh, by the way, in, in, in verse 12, when, when we get to this, and he says, uh, we wage war against um, the rulers, authorities, cosmic powers, present darkness, against spiritual forces. Some people feel like those are all different kinds of demons. I mean, people who are into that kind of thing, you know, there's, a, there's a, this kind of demon and that kind of demon, and they're all coming at you, and you have to know which demon it is and all that. No, here's the deal. The pagans back then believed these forces inhabited their world. It filled the air around them. The pagans believed that there were forces of evil and, and daimonon and demons coming at them from all sides. And so essentially what, what Paul does, he says, okay, just to use your language, to use the worldview you come from, if there's anything out there, we're waging war against it. If there's anything out there, we're going to defeat it. All right. See, the, the, the problem for the pagan, I know I'm, I'm, I'm rambling, but you find this incredibly interesting, I know. But uh, the problem with the pagan was that when he felt like the demons were coming at him, he had to figure out how to make the demons happy. He had to figure out, what do I do? What do I feed them? You know, make a sacrifice? What, what do I do to sort of uh, uh, make them happy with an incense? Or, or how can I sort of trick them into leaving me alone with an omen or... Or, or, or an incantation or some kind of magic. And so as a pagan, you would go to a sorcerer or you might go to what was called an apothecary and, uh, and get a potion or something like that that would, that would help you in life. But as a pagan, your, your conflict was basically, how do I keep the demons happy enough that they leave me alone? For the children of God, for those who know the Father through the Son by the power of the Holy Spirit, our task is not to make Satan happy so he leaves us alone. Our task is to defeat him. And we do not shrink from that battle. We don't hold back. This is something entirely unique among biblical believers, whether Old Testament or New Testament. It's a, it's a call to confront the evil and to win a victory over it, not to placate it, make it happy so they leave me alone. It's, it's an entirely different way to view the universe, and, and the right way, by the way. So, um, okay, I've almost given you all the background. <laughs> Finally, we're going to get to a, a phrase. It's going to be the, uh, the word full armor, put on the full armor of God. The Greek word is uh, the word panoply. We get, it, it, that's actually an English word. Uh, you, you may have seen it on the SATs. Um, but panoply is a word that means, you ready for this? Full armor. It comes from how many Greek words? Two. It comes from two Greek words because everything comes from two Greek words. But it comes from pan, pantos, pan, everything. Uh, hoplos um, uh, the, uh, is, is armor. Hoplites were armored soldiers uh, back then, if you remember your... No, you don't remember your classical Greek. So, uh, but it, but it, so um, uh, pan, hoplos, panoply, the word here, means all the armor of God, the full armor of God. What does the full armor mean? It means there's not a piece missing. When God gives you the armor, everything's provided. When God gives you the armory, everything is protected and you have a sufficient offensive weapon to go into battle. You don't have to go get something else. And you've got the full panoply, you've got the full armor of God. 
I think I'm ready to read the scriptures. So let's look at verse 10. I just thought of something else, but I can't keep doing that. But in, in chapter 6, verse 10, it says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done it all, to stand firm. Let's bow together in prayer. Father, we look into your word and we see just the joyous promise and the joyous certainty, the assurance of the victory that is ours. And yet we confess that sometimes we don't see it, we don't feel it, we, it, we, we don't know that we're experiencing it. But we come before you to ask that your Holy Spirit would open our eyes, not to, not to bring the victory because you've already done that, but Father, to give us a sense of the victory and to live according to the victory that is ours in Jesus Christ. Father, as we look at your word, keep our minds, our, our hearts, keep our thoughts focused on you focused on your Son, focused on the work of your Holy Spirit, that we indeed might be made able to stand by the power of your grace. I ask it in Jesus' name. Maybe by now you've figured out that a lot of my um, growing into the Christian faith took place during my college years. Grew up in a Christian home, but uh, got to the university and then was exposed to a lot of different things. And um, Among other things were uh, a lot of folks who were really into the Holy Spirit, they were charismatics, and, um, and for them, uh, the idea of spiritual warfare really was a, a big deal. Every, everything that happened had a demon attached to it. If it was bad, uh, the devil really was lurking around the corner, wherever you went. So they were very attuned to uh, uh, spiritual warfare, and uh, I, I thought that was interesting. That spurred me to, to look into the Bible and to discover what the Bible said about the Holy Spirit. But I remember at one point, uh, one of my friends uh, came up to me and said, Wayne, I have a demon of headache. I've had this terrible headache, and it's a demon. Okay. And he says, but I prayed, and I cast the demon out. And God has driven the demon of headache out of my body. Praise God. God has left the headache, but he's driven the demon out. I wasn't a very good theologian because all I could think of was, why not leave the demon and drive the headache out? <laughs> and what I noticed was, he still took an aspirin. See, there's a lot of things that happen to us, and it's just because you collided with a germ, or you ate too much chocolate, or um, uh, you know you, you collided with uh, uh, somebody else's illness. You know, whatever the thing is, you know, a lot of bad things happen to us, and it's just just the way the universe is put together. But when they happen, is when the devil tries to get a hold of you, and tries to seize that moment for his advantage. And so while I really don't counsel you to discover a demon for everything and a 
and you know, because God hasn't called us to live in fear. God has not called us to be afraid in our lives. God has called us to victory and to joy and to peace. He has called us to live the abundant life. He has called us to live in the abundance of his grace for us. And so we're not called to live in fear, certainly not fear of the devil. Fear of God, maybe. Not fear of the devil. See, the Bible talks about the devil or Satan. It uses several ways to talk about him. Uh, one of the things, the devil is the accuser. You remember that with uh, Job's experience. Job was a very righteous man, and the devil came up, Satan came up to God and said, hey, and, and I don't know how this works, but this, the, the scripture language is that, that uh, uh, Satan came up to God and he says, uh, yeah, yeah, Job's a pretty good guy, but wouldn't you be if you got everything you wanted? Of course he loves you. You, you give him everything. Just let me add him, God. Just let me add him. I'll have him rejecting you like a paper cup crumpled in his hand. It, it, it'll, his faith is gone. If, I, if, I, if, if, if you let bad things happen to him, I get a hold of it. And of course, Job experienced the, uh, the, the plagues, the illness, the death, experienced the wonderful support of his friends. You know, and so in all these things, though, he didn't give way. But the devil is an accuser. You know, in those moments when you have stumbled, the devil will come and say, see, I told you you couldn't do it. You see, I told you God wouldn't help you. See, I told you that, that this grace thing is just not sufficient in your life. I, I told you that you're not good enough. And the devil will accuse you in those moments. He has no right to, but he'll try it. Bible tells us that he's a deceiver, that he is a liar, and that he's the father of lies. And what he wants you to do is believe his lies. Believe the lies about what makes a, an abundant life, what makes a good life, what, what his success is, it looks like. He wants you to believe the lies that, that, uh, that you really need to indulge the appetites, that you've, you've got to get things for yourself. He, he'll tell you all kinds of lies. And if he's not telling them, the world's telling the lies, and then he's just highlighting them and putting them in front of you. See, here, look at this lie. He's a liar. Our God is a God of truth. Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. He's also the adversary. The devil really is not on your side. He's not on your side. Now, he'll work in a bunch of different ways. We'll talk about that in a moment. But the devil is just... He's an adversary. He's opposed to the things of God. And the more you want to live for God, the more the devil will go after you. If you want the devil to leave you completely alone, leave God out of your life. He's got everything he wants out of you. And Peter tells us that he's a roaring lion, roaming to and fro, seeking whom he may devour. Don't stop reading there. Go to James, where, uh, where he says, resist the devil. And he will flee from you. Not because you're great shakes. Maybe you are, you know, but most of us are. Not because you've got a handle on it and you, you know the way to deal with the devil. But he will flee from you when you resist him in the powerful name of Jesus Christ. That's how you resist the devil. And he will flee from you. The devil is present in the opening pages of the Bible. You find the devil there in the Garden of Eden. What he's doing there, I don't know. But, but Adam and Eve are, are uh, uh, 
Um, that everything's going well, the marriage is going well, the job is going well, the recreation time is going, everything's fine. You know, maybe, maybe that was a problem, everything was fine. They figured, yeah, we got this covered. And so when the devil came in and he lied to Eve and he deceived and he distorted scripture the way he did with Christ and the temptations in the wilderness, and Eve gave in to it. See, the Bible has the devil at, at the beginning of the scripture, but I, I, I want to show you at the end of scriptures. He's there too, but you learn a lot about him. Look at the book of Revelation. If you have a copy of the text electronically or, or physically, uh, whatever it is. Look, look here, this is the book of Revelation chapter 12. Bear with me on this, and, and, and we're not going into every possible interpretation and permutation. Or I, I, I just want for us to see uh, the, the pastoral sweep of this, of this chapter at this point. But uh, look at verse 1. Uh, John writes, he says, A great sign appeared in heaven. By the way, in, in the book of Revelation, there are three great signs in the book of heaven. One is this woman who is going to appear. She... Uh, is emblematic of the people of God. First, the Old Testament saints from whom God would bring the Messiah. So she's expecting to uh, bear a child. That's the way she's introduced to us. So she's the people of God in the Old Testament. Later on, she has other children, uh, offspring, who are believers in Jesus Christ. And so it's the New Testament saints. So this woman is the people of God. It, it stands for all the, all the folks that... that uh, God has called him to himself, his family, his, his children, his people. That, that's what she stands for. The second sign, in a moment we'll get to it, the second sign is the dragon, which is identified for us as Satan. And the third sign, by the way, is, a is found in chapter 15, verse 1, where um, it says, I saw another sign in heaven, and it is the seven angels with the seven bowls of the wrath of God. This, the third sign is the wrath of God. Uh, and, you know, you're just saying, well, big deal. Here's the thing. First sign, God's people. Second sign, God's persecutor. Third sign, God's wrath in saving us and bringing judgment upon all evil and wickedness. There, you got the whole book of Revelation <laughs> in a nutshell. I could give you more on that, but, but I just want you to see what's going on here. This revelation is given not so that we can draw charts and predict the future. It's, it's given so that we know how to live today and we know what's going on. And a great sign appeared in heaven. A woman clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet, and on her head a crown of 12 stars. 12, the uh, number of the covenant. And she was pregnant and was crying out in birth pains and the agony of giving birth. And another sign appeared in heaven. Behold, a great red dragon with seven heads and ten horns on his head, seven diadems. The devil is a ten-horned lizard. All right? That's all he is. He's just a ten-horned lizard. I don't know why we give him more credit than Verse 4, his tail swept down a third of the stars of heaven, cast them to earth, and the dragon stood before the woman who was about to give birth, so that when she bore her child, he might devour it. It's, it's pretty clear what he's talking about, that, that when the Messiah is born, he's going to defeat the Messiah. He's going to get rid of the Messiah. We know that that, that happened, uh, or the attempt happened through uh, Herod, who sent the soldiers out to try to kill the Christ child after, after learning from the Magi that, that he, he'd been born. Uh, but it, it, it continues that the, the devil tried to, to get at Christ during the temptations in the wilderness. You know, and on and on it goes. The, the devil is all about frustrating the purposes of God, particularly when it has to do with the salvation of God's people. 
The devil is all about frustrating God's purposes, especially when it comes to people drawn to the Father through Messiah the Son. That's what the devil is all about. That, that's really all he wants to do. He just wants to hurt God. And he tries that by dispatching the Messiah. Can't do that. So, so, he, um, so uh, he, he wants to devour the child. Verse 5. She gave birth to a male child, one who is to rule all the nations with a rod of iron. Pretty clearly the Messiah. But her child was caught up to God and to his throne. In, in, in that short phrase, the child caught up to God, to his throne, the entire gospel narrative is represented in that phrase. The birth, the ministry of Jesus, his crucifixion, his resurrection, and his ascension into heaven. The devil couldn't get him at any point along the way. So the child here in Revelation is taken up to the throne of heaven. The woman flees to the wilderness, and there she's persecuted. Uh, if you add it up, it's three and a half years, which is a number of persecution. Now, in verse 7, so see what we've got so far. The devil's trying to frustrate God by frustrating the work and ministry of the Messiah, particularly um, as it relates to saving his people. That's, that's what the devil is all about. He's not about fun. He's not about parties. He's not about um, uh, you know, greed or any of those things. Those are tools in his hands. Ultimately, all he wants is to harm the heart of God by harming the people of God. That's really what's going on. We'll see this more. Now war arose in heaven. Michael and his angels fighting against the dragon. The dragon and his angels fought back, but he was defeated. No longer a place for him in heaven. All right. Bypassing all that's been said about that, those verses, here's the, here's the thing you really want to remember. And this is true no matter how you interpret When the devil fights, it's no contact. You'll notice the devil and his angels fight, and God doesn't even show up. He just says, Mike, can you handle this? Mike says, sure, got it. Down to earth. You're done. Fini. Kaput. Any other languages out there we can say that? Okay. But, uh, but it, that's the point. It's not like there's God and the devil, and they're equal, and they're fighting and struggling, and we don't know who's going to win. Maybe the devil will win. Maybe God will win. No no. God is all victorious. It's, it's no contest. There's not even a battle. There's just a mopping up operation. That's true of Armageddon. So the power of God is, is supreme. We, we need to understand that. It's not like God is trying to defeat the devil. He, God doesn't try. Is it Yoda? God has the victory. That, that's, that's what I wanted you to extract from that. Uh, and we're, we're just getting a fraction of what's in these verses. Great dragon was thrown down, that ancient serpent who's called the devil and Satan, the deceiver of the whole world. We, now we know who he is. He was thrown down to earth with his angels. They were thrown down with him. Now, folks, I can read a clock as well as you can. I know I'm running out of time. But this is too good to pass up. All right? Bless you, Ernest. If I keep you for half an hour, an hour, blame Ernest. Okay. Right? Yeah, raise your hand. Let everybody know where you are. Okay. Right. John said, okay, so the devil is defeated. He's cast down to earth. He's, he's, he's a defeated lizard. And I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, 
now the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ have come. For the accuser of our brothers has been thrown down, who accuses them day and night before our God. And they have conquered him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. For they love not their lives even unto death. Rejoice, O heavens, and you who dwell in them. But woe to you, earth and sea. The devils come down to you. And great is his wrath because he knows his time is short. The devil is a short timer. The day's coming when that lake of fire just opens up and the devil just jumps right in. That's where he belongs and that's where he's headed. So he's a ten-horned lizard. He's temporary. He's limited in his power. And all he wants to do is to harm the heart of God by going after God's people. Um, we could read some more, but let's just uh, skip down to verse 17. Then the dragon became furious with the woman and went off to make war on the rest of her offspring, on those who keep the commandments of God and hold to the testimony of Jesus. Now you know why the devil is at work in your life. He wants to take you away from God. Folks, the devil doesn't care a thing about you. He doesn't care about you at all. If the devil can pry you away from the love of God by making you happy and successful, he'll do it. If the devil could get you to be lazy in your devotion, if the devil could just get you to be ineffectual in living the, the life of grace, if, if, if the devil could just uh, get you to be very content as you leave the Holy Spirit out of your thoughts and prayers, if the Holy Spirit can just pry you away from God, if he can do it by making you happy, he's going to do it. And if he can pry you away from God by taking the sufferings of life and the illnesses and the sorrows and the griefs and, and, and distort your understanding so that you think that somehow you, you don't want God anymore and you're angry at God all the time, if he can get you away from God by making you miserable, he's going to do it. Because the devil, frankly, doesn't care. Except that he wants you away from God. And even that he doesn't care about except he thinks it will harm the heart of God. That's all he's about. That's all he wants. Now you know why the devil's working in this way. He just wants to take you away from the Father. Uh, well, that was exciting. Let's go back to the, um, to, to, to the book of Ephesians, which is also exciting. So Paul says, these, you know, so now we, we know the devil um, doesn't care about you at all. He'll make you happy, miserable. He doesn't care as long as he pries you away from God. Okay. And so Paul says, finally, <laughs> finally. By the way, that word finally does not mean we're almost done with the book of Ephesians. That word finally means somewhere between another two to three, maybe four months. I'm not sure. Okay. Finally, be strong. Wait a minute. If that verse ends right there, it doesn't help me. Hey, be strong. I don't know. I'm trying to be strong. No, no, no. Just be strong. I know I'm strong. I know I'm strong. No, no, no. Click your heels together. Clap three, three times. And be strong. That doesn't help. That's why the Bible doesn't stop there. Be strong in the Lord. That's grace. 
You see, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of His might. See, the victory, the battle, is not about what we can do. It's about what God will do in us by the power of the Holy Spirit. That's why we believe in the Holy Spirit. Without the Holy Spirit, we're sunk. That's a technical term. It comes from two Greek words. But, but really, there's, there's no hope for us. But because it's God's power and God's might, be strong in the power of God. Time eludes us, but that's things like, you know, just stay in touch with him, be in prayer with him, be in his word, be, be amongst God's people, submitting every day to him, submitting every situation, every relationship, always following, walking in the footsteps of Christ, and all those kinds of things. Be strong in the might of God and the power of God. And because of that, here's how you do that. Put on the whole armor, we talked about that, the panoply of God, that you may be able to stand, and that word stand is significant. It's used about four times here. It says that you may be able to stand, where is it, down in verse 13, uh, take up the armor that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, having done all to stand firm, verse 14, stand therefore. Then when he says stand, he's not saying, well, just go stand in the corner. No, he's saying stand in the line. With the whole armor of God, with the panoply of God, stand in the line of battle. Make sure that you're not You know, um, Horatio Nelson, who's uh, the preeminent hero of English history in terms of naval uh, personnel. But it was Nelson who said, no captain can go far wrong if he will but place his ship next to that of the enemy. He was saying the same thing that Blucher knew at the Battle of Waterloo. I'm sorry, I'm just, I'm just. If you hear gunfire, that's where you're headed. Hear the noise of battle. Be not wanting there. Some of you remember that hymn. And when the battle comes, stand in the line. And be found faithful and diligent because you're covered, protected, armed with the panoply, the armor of God. That's what it means, stand firm. That's, that's what's going on there. So put on the whole armor again. Stand firm. So that you can stand, hold the line against the schemes. The word there is methods. Against the methods of the, de the devil. I think the devil has a book of methods. And in, in this book, he just he, it's tabbed on the side. He says, well, let's see, how can I get a camp son? Okay, old guy. These methods work here. Why didn't any of you say no, 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 no? <laughs> okay. Somewhat confused, prideful, boastful got the method. I know exactly how to get at it. But in Jesus Christ, you will fail every time. Because the power is in Christ, in the blood of Christ, in the cross, in the power of the resurrection. That's what it's about. When the devil comes our way. And so he says, stand firm. Uh, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, against these powers. Therefore, take up the whole armor, that you may be able to stand, withstand in the evil day, and having done all to stand. Don't tell anybody that I preached on the devil today. Tell them that I preached on Jesus Christ and the victory that is ours in him. Know the enemy. He's a defeated, short-time, ten-horned lizard that's flailing around in his death throes. And the only reason he wants to harm you and hurt you is because he wants to harm and hurt God. Then that he cannot for many reasons, among others, we are kept by the power of God. 
He who started a good work in us is able to complete it. He holds us in the hollow of his hand. No one is able to pluck us out of the hand of the Father. The victory is assured. So what I want you to do is just live joyously, victoriously, gloriously. Because you have the victory in Jesus Christ. I pray you do. I pray you've come to the cross. I pray that, that, that you've asked Christ into your heart. Whether you're a little six-year-old boy, a six-year-old man, it's the same Jesus, the same love, the same promise to be yours. But the victory's ours. Don't let some ten-horned lizard Let's pray together. Father in heaven, we do ask that we would be diligent, faithful, consistent, quick, to always rely upon you. Moments when we don't understand what's happening, let us surrender it to you. In moments when we come to the end of our resources and we have nothing left, teach us to rely upon you. In those times when the doubts and the questions are, are way bigger than any answers, let us just trust your wisdom. Father, let your Holy Spirit work and move and minister within us that the victory that is ours in Christ would be seen day by day, moment by moment, for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen.